Thursday, February the 24th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Ukraine under attack and the West promises to respond. First, the world in brief. Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, announced a, quote, special military operation in Ukraine, in effect declaring war, which he said was aimed at protecting Russia. Ukraine's foreign minister, Dmytro Kuleba, said that Russia had begun a, quote, full-scale invasion and said Ukrainian cities had been shelled. Russia's defence ministry said it was attacking military targets with, quote, high-precision weapons, but denied hitting cities. There were unconfirmed reports that Russian troops had crossed the border into Mariupol and Odessa, and also suggestions that Belarusian troops had joined an assault that crossed its border with Ukraine. A Ukrainian government minister said that there had been missile attacks on, quote, military headquarters, airports, military warehouses, near Kyiv, Kharkiv and Dnieper. President Joe Biden promised that America and its allies will respond, quote, in a united and decisive way. He said, quote, Russia alone is responsible for the death and destruction this attack will bring. He said he would address the American people on Thursday and will meet G7 leaders before announcing, quote, further consequences for Russia. Ursula von der Leyen, the president of the European Commission, said the EU would, quote, hold the Kremlin accountable. Justin Trudeau, Canada's prime minister, said his government would no longer use the emergency powers that it invoked last week to quell the, quote, freedom convoy. Quote, existing laws and bylaws are now sufficient to keep people safe, he told reporters. Authorities had earlier asked banks to unfreeze the accounts of people protesting against COVID-19 restrictions. Mr Putin's earlier speech coincided with an emergency UN Security Council meeting, during which several Western leaders pleaded with Russia to stop the invasion. Antonio Guterres, the UN's General Secretary, appealed to Mr Putin to pull back his troops, quote, in the name of humanity. Oil prices surged in response to Russia's invasion with Brent crude, the international benchmark, hitting $100, a 3% jump. Major stock markets in Asia plunged during early trading. Japan's Nikkei index dropped by 2%, while Hong Kong's Hang Seng index fell by 3%. The Russian ruble fell by 5.4% to its lowest ever value against the dollar, while the exchange in Moscow suspended trading in all markets. Before hostilities started, Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, had made a heartfelt plea for peace directly to Russian citizens. Speaking in Russian, Mr Zelensky said Ukraine was being portrayed incorrectly on Russian state media and that a war would only bring suffering to both sides. He said Ukraine was not, and never would be, a threat to Russia, but that it would defend itself if attacked. And fact of the day. 300%. The average price premium attracted by wines, such as champagne, with a, quote, geographical identification, meaning that to bear their name, they must be produced in a particular place. And now, here's today's agenda. Where will Russia stop? Now that hostilities have broken out in Ukraine, 
the most immediate question is how far Russia is prepared to go to subdue its neighbour. One possibility is that it will aim to take all of the statelet's claimed territory. A war for Donbass would be bad enough. Since January, however, Western security officials have been warning that Mr Putin is set on an even broader invasion, aimed at toppling the Ukrainian government. Joe Biden, America's president, and Boris Johnson, Britain's prime minister, have both said that Russia would probably aim for Kyiv, Ukraine's capital. NATO officials concur with those British and American assessments. Russian military forces in southern Belarus have crept closer to the border in recent weeks, with many organised in tactical formations that would allow a swift thrust south towards Kyiv, should Mr Putin order one. Alibaba and the Regulatory Thieves This is an awkward week for Alibaba to report its earnings for the last quarter of 2021. Word of a new regulatory crackdown on tech companies has thrashed the Chinese e-commerce giant's shares. Its share price closed at 112.40 Hong Kong dollars, 14.40 US dollars on Wednesday, having fallen by almost 9% in four days. Alibaba and two other Chinese tech companies, Tencent and Meichuan, have shed a combined $100 billion in stock market value in that period, according to Bloomberg, a news service. The panic was caused by reports that Chinese regulators had asked state-controlled companies to probe their exposures to Ant Group, Alibaba's payments affiliate. Both groups were co-founded by Jack Ma, an internet tycoon who fell foul of the government. On top of this, Meichuan, a food delivery platform, has been told to cut its fees. Investors worry that a bigger wave of rules is coming. Alibaba's bosses are probably dreading their questions on Thursday. England back to normal? Thursday marks a return to, quote, normality in England after two years of COVID-19. Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, is lifting all domestic restrictions, including the legal requirement to self-isolate. The country is one of the first big economies to return to a pre-pandemic way of life. Critics worry the decision is premature. Nicola Sturgeon, the First Minister of Scotland, is keeping some restrictions until March 21st. Others fret about the end to free COVID testing on April 1st. Mr Johnson says it is too costly to keep handing out test kits for nothing. England is not the only country lifting restrictions. Denmark did so earlier in February. Austria, Switzerland and Germany plan to ease some rules next month. Even Australia, which closed its borders for longer than most, reopened to vaccinated tourists this week. Mr Johnson is clear that the pandemic is not over but he is not alone in hoping it has entered a new, less dangerous phase. Hong Kong clings to zero. How did it go so wrong? Last year, Hong Kong went months without a locally transmitted case of COVID-19. Now, Omicron has struck and severe scenes have ensued. Patients strapped to trolleys outside hospitals, shelves stripped of food, and lines at testing centres snaking for hours. As other countries return to normality, 
Hong Kong is living in a 2020 dystopia. Complacency played its part. Rather than using the past year to prepare, authorities failed to build sufficient testing capacity or equip hospitals properly. Unforgivably, the very old were left largely unvaccinated. Hong Kong still clings to its zero-COVID policy. In March, its 7.4 million residents will be required to take three government-administered tests using kits shipped from mainland China. Those who test positive will be whisked into isolation facilities, including young children, wrenched from their families. But with a forecast peak of perhaps 180,000 daily cases approaching fast, where they will be housed is a mystery. A lesser-known Italian master The biggest ever exhibition of Paris Bordone's art opens in his native Treviso on Friday. The 16th-century Italian painter studied under Titian, whom he vexed by imitating his teacher precisely, and later made his name as a creator of glossy images, of sexualized love, and a portrait artist in the French court. Bordone's subject matter was broad. Expressive portraits will be shown alongside mythological scenes, paintings on altarpieces beside smaller works of private devotion. Viewers will witness Bordone's obsession with texture and his love for luxurious objects. The exhibition will also reveal a restoration of his seminal depiction of the myth of, quote, St. George killing the dragon. Overlaid varnishes had darkened the painting in places, but it has now been returned to its original colours. For the first time, visitors will be able to trace Titian's influence and Bordone's own interests through a vast swathe of his work sourced from around the world. Daily Quiz You know the drill by now. Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Thursday. Which actress was the oldest living Oscar winner prior to her death at the age of 104 in 2020? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Malcolm Forbes, who died on this day in 1990. Being right half the time beats being half right all the time. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 